Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Morning guys. Russ here and I've got some exciting news for you all. Support from All Over Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. The best in below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below the waist grooming needs. Get 20% off and free delivery with the code MALLOVER20 at manscaped.com. Manscaped has just launched in the UK. And men have gone for years and years and years without having the right tools for the job. You can be one of the first men in the UK to experience their life-changing products. I know over the years I've struggled many times with personal grooming, shaving, creams, cutting yourself, all that sort of stuff. But none of that is a problem with the Manscaped redesigned electric trimmer. It features a cutting ceramic edge blade to reduce grooming accidents, 7000 RPM motor which enables it to work seamlessly through even the thickest of hair. So go get rid of that bush. Make it clean and tidy and get 20% off and free delivery with the code MALLOVER20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free delivery with MALLOVER20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will definitely thank you. Now it's time for Brian Habana. Hi there, I'm Brian Habana and you're listening to the MALLOVER podcast. Welcome to this week's More Over podcast, the only rugby podcast that gives all the news, views and opinion on the weekend's rugby action, all with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter. We are uh, at More Over Podcast. We are More Over Rugby Podcast on Facebook. And you can find all of our podcasts on Anchor and on Apple Pods and hopefully soon to be on your Alexa, although you know, you'll know you have to check that for yourselves. 
uh, as well as the Google Store and, and all of the other um, good pod places. Uh, Doug, you're back this week. You missed last week. As I mentioned, you were very uh, neatly trimmed balls deep in uh, in Pro 14. How was that I mean, for you? I would guess that I probably have the smoothest ball sack this side of the Thames. Interesting. Not like north of the Thames, just... Uh, yeah, just north of the Thames. But... Um, this side of... Yeah, it's also it, it's it's nice not to be watching Pro Fourteen rugby. <laughs> Just, I mean, because it's shit, like, Russ. Yeah, I mean, and that's what the Premiership will be in two or three years. If uh, no, well, we've, we've seen it, haven't we? But there you go. Well, let's, we'll, so, we'll Doug, get... Doug, I don't spend much time watching the Pro Fourteen, although I'm quite happy to slag it off without watching any of it. Is it really as shit as I think it is? It's like um, it's like pound shop super rugby. Okay, what optional defence? Optional op- defence, limited um, skills you've never heard of, <laughs> shit kits, and um, you know you're in West Wales. I mean, what's the only good thing about that whole adventure is that I got paid and got a haircut. Yeah, you look good. Look Cheers, mate. Oh, so, so you went. So they were allowing haircuts in Wales. Were you allowed, yeah. allowed to stroll into a barber's? Yeah, yeah. Was, so there was like did a you get queue sh- of cameramen outside the barber's shop. <laughs> <laughs> was, was this on your on your head or was this on your head or was this somewhere else? Well, I, I took care of that myself. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Manscaped. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you actually went to Wales and got shorn. Yeah. Technically. Yeah. Nice. Um, you've already you already heard uh, an also extremely hairless uh, body wise um, houseboy's favourite Phil Farm vet. How you doing, Phil? Yeah, it's uh, it's all a bit breezy down here. I mean, the, breezy. If word gets out that Phil is now perfectly manicured, and, <laughs> and, I mean, there's you can't you, polish your turd. You'll see the dust cloud rising from women from the <laughs> southern counties stampeding to mid Cornwall, all all the way down the A30. Yeah, just 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 to run a finger along his dusset line. <laughs> <laughs> Lockdown oh. be damned. Oh, yeah. We really are appealing to two of our audience here, aren't we? Amazing. Stop, well, stop coming. There's going to be a sign on the bridges in the way in the Cornwall, isn't there? <laughs> stop coming here. He's married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't. It won't be the 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 hordes of holiday makers coming to spend some time along the Cornish beaches. It will be the hordes of the southern counties. Trying to get to Phil's tide line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. And the nicest guy in Cornish rugby podcasting, uh, based just outside of Goonavon. Uh, welcome, Ben. You well? I'm good, thanks, mate. Good, good, good. Um, hopefully today is a return to, to team sports, return to outdoor activities. Hopefully you've all got your plans for... Uh, for Hornets and the minis, Phil and uh, Ben, I hope you're going to be getting to pre-pre-season. Or are you going to... Seniors kicks, seniors kicks off on Wednesday, kids kick off on Friday. Lovely. My, my theory is there's going to be lots of people interested in getting back to sport. So uh, there should be enough second team games for me to... Rock up at. Rock up at, yeah. 
Maybe I can get down there for a seconds game this year. That would be incredible. Yeah. Get all four of us out in the paddock. And get it filmed for TV. <laughs> uh, no one needs to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, right. Let's uh, let's start with let's start with the Six Nations, the wrap up of Friday night. Um, Scotland beating France in Paris for the first time since 1999. Is that right? They they made enough of it. I'm just pretty sure I haven't got the the, uh, the year right. Um, France, the masters of their own downfall, really, where they could have just kicked the ball out. Knowing that even, even what what puzzled me is that the clock was in the red. They could only have got one score, so they were not going to like challenge um, Wales for the championships to win by 20 points. Yet Doolan tried to, to run out of his own 22, got turned over. Um, when he could have just kicked it out. It was all a bit odd, Phil. Maybe they were paid per um, per point that they get in the championship in terms of a bonus point, get some level on points with Wales, and, and there's a bit of a bonus in that for them. But you're right, they basically threw it away. No disrespect to Scotland, because it, it was another one of those good games that France have had. France have been involved in a few good games over the last month or so. Um, but in all honesty, if it's not that kind of jeopardy situation where France have to score tr- two tries, win by 20 odd points, I think they probably cruise it fairly easily. I think the pressure told in the first half, they didn't turn up the way they should have done. Passes not going to hand, kicks skewing off the side of the boot, not going where they're intended, just all a little bit disjointed. And some credit to the, for that has to go to Scotland for getting in their faces, but um, no doubt Sean Edwards would have been absolutely fuming at half-time um, when uh, uh, when they went in only three points up, 13-10. Um, and also, if you are going for four, if you are having to score four tries, I think they start kicking penalties a bit early. I think they should have been going to the corner and trying to force that. But any other game where you're not in this situation, everybody was saying, oh, it's going to be easier for France because they know what they have to do to win the championship. Any other game, if that's in, in the middle of the tournament, 80, 80 minutes comes up, Doulang puts that ball out and France win that match. Yeah. Can we can we have a bit of a chat about the wider the wider Six Nations before we get back into the game? Because you know there was a there was a red card which was shock horror. Shot, yeah. Um there was the Peno um try, which Phil, you might know. And we were talking a little bit pre-pod. Is yeah, around. I... Could they have? Get, should should Wayne Barnes have given a penalty try in that situation? Because if Doolan, if if Watson hadn't taken out Doolan, uh, Doolan, if he hadn't taken out Peno, right, there is a likelihood Peno could have just picked that ball up and trotted under the posts, and France take seven points. But as it was, they didn't. They scored in the corner. Um, Barnes explained to Olive on well, you scored the try anyway. And then Untermack missed the kick. So they only get five points. So um, not only do they only get five points, but um, I'll take your word for it that it was Watson. Uh, would have gone oh, to yeah. the bin. Hamish Watson, yeah. Would have gone to the bin as well for 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, now I'm paraphrasing what I think is law 8.3 here, um, which basically says that a penalty try should be awarded if foul play 
stops uh, prevents a try or prevents a try being uh, prevents a probable try or prevents a, a try being probably scored in a more advantageous position. So you take the first bit out of it because it hasn't prevented a try. The question is, has it probably? And it's definitely foul play. There's no two ways about it. It's not technical infringement. He's taken a man out without the ball. The question is, would it probably have been scored in a better position or would in reality Penno have just dived on the ball and taken the try? Now, Barnes has obviously taken the view that he was going to dive on the, on the ball and score the try anyway. Um, but it's a, it's been a frustration of mine for a while because it, it seems a bit like you're enforcing negative play. Because if Penno in that situation is clever, he knocks the ball on deliberately or he fails to ground it or, or, or makes a dive, gets a penalty try, gets, gets Watson Simbin and they've got a 10-man advantage. But do we really want to be forcing the game down that route? So to me, if you've got a technical infringement, uh, they just need to modify the rule that says um, if you've got a foul play infringement, and even if the score, the try is scored, it automatically becomes a seven-point try and a sim binning, but the try gets awarded to the person who scores the try. Because actually, you don't want to take that try away from Penno and his stats. You just need to modify it and say, look, you've you've create you've done a, effectively a professional foul as it would have been turned in in football parlance of the nineties. You've got to have some kind of punishment for that. Make it an automatic seven points. Give the give the kickers a freebie and a sim binning, but award the try to the person who scores the try. That would be my solution. But by the letter of the law, Barnes has probably done the right thing. Go on, Ben. You want to come in there? Um, yeah, yeah. As a side point, I, he probably got a little bit caught up in what a brilliant try it was. It and was a brilliant try. Probably in the back <laughs> of his mind is if I declare that as a penalty try, you know, it kind of takes the gloss off it. But whether that was a... Um, any part of his thinking, I don't know, but certainly the commentary team seemed pleased he'd given it as a try. But it's it's the wider point on it is is the laws of rugby aren't fit for purpose in uh, with for video replay. There's been about four times in this tournament where something like this has happened, which isn't commonplace, and it's not it's not part of the laws in terms of it's not specifically stated what the correct decision is. There was like Johnny May's dive into the corner, uh, perhaps the Welsh tries as well against England, where in the old days with no video replay, the fact that Penno had the touched that down call and you live, we live yeah, would have been yeah. fine and that no one would have had a second word to say about it. But because there was a video replay where okay, well, he's deliberately fouled him. Was it Watson or was it Price? But, you know, either way, then... then Have I got got it wrong? I didn't know. I thought it was Watson. I I thought it was Price, but you could well be right. But, you know, so then then you've got to make the decision, well, did he do it on purpose? Then you've got to make the decision, would he have scored it under the post? Then you've got to make the other decision... So having Oops. recently done jury service and also spent a lot of time battling with numpties on Twitter about the the pseudo-legal process within the within rugby, the laws and the way they're written have a large degree of ambiguity. They are not black and white. There's people out there saying, it's oh, it's absolutely black and white, the laws. If you break the law, you get the punishment. The laws are not black and white. You put the word probable in there, 
that is adding a massive gray area. Now, how probable does probable have to be? Is probable 50% of the time they do better? Probably technically. But does it have to be 60% of the time the try would have been scored in a better area if it wasn't for the foul? And you're asking somebody to make a judgment call on what's on what's probable and what's not. And when you get those kind of grey areas, it just leads to conversations like this. And I think the issue is you cannot make them black and white. You cannot make the laws black and white. And it comes down to a degree of guidance. I think Barnes has made the right call according to what's written down, but the wrong call according to a fair result, if that makes sense. Phil, Phil, what you said is right in that it, he should have been allowed to just put the give them the two points. Yeah. Uh, but he's not. So like you say, he's probably made the right decision. But if you take away the breakdown, the line out and the scrum, then a lot of the laws we're, we're using are probably 50 years old. And some of, them are, some of them are probably closer to 150 years old. Yeah. And, and they're not cut out <laughs> to bear scrutiny under a sort of a multi-million you, pound injury, industry and all the television replays. It's, it, well, if you, you, if know, you take the forward pass regulation, for example, the interpretations around that have changed massively over the last 10, 15 years in three or four different ways. It used to be if the hands are going backwards, but your, your momentum carries it forwards. But then it's what about a lateral pass? And then it's, I don't know, it's gone all over the shop. And the same with deliberate knock-ons. Deli- a deliberate, what is a deliberate knock-on? A deliberate, to define something as deliberate, you have to be in the psyche of the person doing it. You have to say you intended to do that. Whereas now what they've done is they've given guidelines that say, actually, if your hand's pointing down, in all likelihood, you're probably not trying to catch it. But we've all seen absolute worldies stick a hand out and the ball just sticks and they run with it. And we can we can, we can talk about a couple of those because there was a number of those incident, incidents in the Sale Wasp game on Saturday and uh, uh, you know it was it was mental but you know to me a, a slight you're right Ben first of all correction it was Ali Price not Watson you know Watson does a lot of amazing stuff he didn't do that um, and second of all like how hard would it be like a very simple law amendment that says in that situation where there's clearly foul play try was scored in the corner however the try is awarded underneath the posts. Go and kick your conversion from underneath the posts. And, you know, we move on from there. It's a yellow card because it was foul play. You get your seven points, but your try is awarded under the posts, as it were. Or you get your kick from in front of the posts because of that foul play. Then it's not a penalty try. You still have to take the kick. and Because I, I don't want to see, I don't think anybody wants to see six penalty tries in a match. But pretty much, I don't know, 90% of the tries that, and I've made that number up and it's clearly wrong, that Exeter score from the, the driving malls could be awarded as penalty tries because somebody's there trying to drag the thing down, but they happen to score the try. Do you want to see a penalty try every time that happens? No, I, of course you don't. I but, think every time, but you say that, Phil, every, every single five-metre line-out that goes into a, into a driving mall that the defending team brings down. If that if that mall is moving, the likelihood is they're going to score a try. So literally every single, by that logic, every single driving mall five metres out that is moving could be a penalty try. Yeah, could be. Yeah. Um, but we don't, we don't necessarily want to see that. 
you just want to have the opportunity for the ref to go, you know what, you've you've deliberately gone out to try and break the laws here to prevent a try being scored. There needs to be some kind of retribution for that. You know what the retribution for that used to be? Assuring at the next ruck? Exactly. <laughs> and do you know what you never used to get a lot of? Cards. People collapsing rucks five metres out because they get shooed to smithereens. Yeah, not not for what Price Watson did in the Scotland-France game because there's nobody well, the, else the, near the, him. The, but, the, yeah, more, right. the more would go straight over the top of them and they would be yeah. eating studs. They yeah. would be picking studs out of their skin for the next that, fortnight. That's a larger point. I think that's now why rugby is like it is because there is no self-policing element. There's no fear to any of it. Do what you want. Lie on the wrong side. You're not going to get shooed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that's. I think that's. Uh, I, I'm not sure we want to go back to the the rocking of the of the 80s, 90s necessarily, but a little bit of it every now and then. Not people running from 20 yards away with their feet two foot in the air, waiting to to land on somebody. But as far as I'm concerned, if a player's lying on the wrong side, you ought to be able to give him a bit of slipper on his backs. <laughs> Not, not yeah. on it. Don't stand not on, his, on head. his knees or on his head, but all over his back, all over his belly, bits that don't don't break too much. And yeah, yeah. and if and and then in the change rooms afterwards, you slap a bit of aftershave on just to make sure that he remembers who did it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think um, you know the usual crowd will say, "Oh, you're dinosaurs, you're this, you're that." But rugby's in the status in because there is no fear of retribution. Ellis Genge can be as big a knobhead as he wants because no one's going to actually punch him. Yeah. You know? And and that's how it's, you know, got to where no. it is at the moment, I feel. Ellis Genge highlights a point that I want to bring up a bit later on. Yeah, well, so, yeah. But yeah, you're right. And and Ellis, again, you know, Genge isn't the only one. There are a lot of people of that nature. You know, Joe Marler, for instance. There, there are lots of people out there that maybe wouldn't act the way they do now if there were certain other people. Um, have you seen that Martin Bayfield story with Wade Dooley and the, the Frenchman? Yeah, look, you've, all you've oh. got to do is look at the amount of props with straight noses to know that they can get away with whatever they want to at the moment. <laughs> and, and let's be honest, class will always shine through. I, I think... Someone like Richie McCall would have got well, as, a reasonable, in, a reasonable in, amount of shooing, but he still would have been an amazing player. In the same way that Neil Back, I'm sure, has, has some tasty marks on his back at various times during the games, but it didn't stop him being an amazing player. It just kept him on the right side more often than he was on the wrong side. And you could, you could, argue, you could argue that Doug's point of the players being more aware, actually the offending players are more aware. So... Mm. So you are more alert. You are more, you know, you know you're going to get a shoe in. So you get yourself into a nice tiny little ball. And yeah, you, like and we're, we're, we're old enough yeah, to yeah. remember like school rugby and that's still happening, right? Yeah. But I oh, think so a lot of pro players now have never been shooed in their life. No. It was probably, uh, it was probably when I moved to Devon. So when would that have been? 2005 that, that it stopped. But playing up in Scotland in the early 2000s, yeah, most games I'd, got the crap shooed out of me. And and actually, I saw it as a bit of a badge of honour because it meant that I was annoying the opposition. But I didn't do it too much because it flipping hurt. The other thing that shooing <laughs> does is it keeps centres out of rocks. <laughs> and full-backs. And full-backs, yeah. <laughs> Just backs in general, really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Ben can count on, 
you know, on maybe one of his uh, hands, how many rucks he's been in. Um, probably seven. <laughs> so on the fingers of one hand, yeah? Uh, that's, yeah. What I, yeah. that's what I meant to say. Oh, sorry, I, I didn't mean yeah. For the purposes I, um, of a joke, <laughs> say yes. that joke, didn't I? Sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I said to you in the, like, before we came on, started recording that I watched um, Leicester against Sale in the Pilkington Cup final 97. And I they vividly remember this brought back to me from this conversation that there was a, I think maybe the, the Sale fullback took ball into contact, got tackled, knew he was going to get, you know, turned over and immediately went fetal, put his head like hands over his head. and Yeah, forget about the ball. Yeah. He wasn't trying to hold on to the ball. It was... Like, yeah, 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 and so and and but it was a turnover, and do you know what? There wasn't any Jacqueline, so there were no crocodile rolls, there was no neck rolls, there was none of that stuff because the fear of getting shooed meant that taking the ball into isolated contact would result in a turnover. The yeah. reason you have jackals and all this now is because people hold on to the ball at the bottom of rucks, yeah. Anyway, that's a very good point, yeah. Well, and the reason that's the reason. Jackals end up being a problem is because that player who's been tackled is there with his hands on the ball. Whereas... It, and he's still holding on. But look, yeah, I've yeah. seen so, see it so many times in a game where the ball, the, the bloke that's been tackled, gets jackled, gets picked up, dragged backwards with the ball, and the bloke that's dragging him backwards gets told to release and the ball comes back. <clears throat> if he's doing what he's supposed to do, that shouldn't happen, but he's not scared of holding on to the ball because he's not going to get hurt. Whereas, whereas 20 years ago, he has his, the first person comes in, has his hands on the ball, and the second and third are jumping all over his back. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and, and for clarity, and head and knees, yeah. And the first <laughs> thing he wants to do is get that. Well, the last place he wants to be is on the floor on his own. And the first thing he wants to do is go, fuck the ball. You can yeah. have it, lads. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have it, mate, because to be honest, you're going to drop it in 30 seconds anyway. Yeah, there'll be a scrum in a minute. It's not a problem. <laughs> have I complimented you on your nice cotton jersey? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 look, I, I was going to bring it up later, but I'd urge you to watch just that game. It's a terrible game. It finishes 9-3. But the difference... Ben? Yeah. Oh, awesome. yeah, but it, I mean... The goal kicking's awful. It's Joel Stransky's play at the kicking for Leicester. And um, it's terrible. Uh, the kicking's out of hand is awful. But I tell you what, the game is breathless. It doesn't stop. You know, line outs. The ball goes out of play and it's back in within 10 seconds. You know, scrums. They reset. They get up. They go again. It, the game was... I felt felt exhausting because it was so fast and we've just become used to this slow deliberate game with beasts of men running around bashing each other giving each other concussions that game was more brutal than any game I've seen this season no one went off injured you know there wasn't eight substitutions who was saving them from the sales they dug well <laughs> It just I, seems like the unintended consequence of all these rule changes to make things safer is that actually it's just resulted in making the game way more unsafe. It's an, it's an interesting point, actually, because, 
you've got Steve Thompson and Lippman and all kinds of other people coming out of the woodwork now um, about uh, CTEs. What about where's the people from 10 years before that complaining about it or 20 yeah. years before that complaining about it? I, I, think I don't that, know. The, I think the, they the hit problem... a sweet spot of just lawlessness going into professionalism. Yeah. yeah. That potentially players being just a bit bigger and playing on those rules. That That's the problem. And, dangerous, and... But they also so what... coincided with a lot of substitutions so that players could be bigger anyway. It's the so, 10 years so, before people started realising it was a problem, isn't it? Between yeah. professionalism and, and... So what so, you're saying is the amateur game, it should just be free-for-all and go back to the rules from 20-odd years ago, 30-odd years ago. Well, the, the amateur because game everybody was fundamentally... Was fine for that. But the amateur game... and So so they changed, they changed the professional game. They changed rugby as a, as a whole product, as a sport. And those rules filter down to the to the amateur game. Now, in the amateur game, and for the Hornets or whatever, right? You you turn up and you're only allowed three subs. Am I right? Yeah. Or has it gone up to five? No, it's quite a lot. They're interchanges, aren't they? So you can yeah. roll in subs. Yeah, but there was a point where you'd get seven seven substitutes in a professional game, but only three. And I've been in squads where you were only allowed three to name three substitutes in and- a Western Counties um, match, and it's like, and, and one where's... of them has to cover the entire front row. So you have this, Correct. you have this position where you're saying people have to be trained and understand to be able to play there, but one person can cover all three of those positions. Yeah, which I when think, you're, which when the you're on the bench game... as a hooker, having never propped in your life, is, um, yeah, you're kind yeah. of hoping the props can see through eighty minutes. But um, I think the amateur game much more closely resembles the game from the nineties. The other, the other thing about the amateur game, uh, and, and it's one of my personal bugbears, is that rugby talks about how it needs to take head injury seriously and it's doing everything it can. If you get concussed in the amateur game now, it's, it's a month out, pretty much. It's three weeks before you're allowed to run again. And then you have to go through various different stages before you can get anywhere near a pitch. In, a, in the professional game, you can be back on the pitch in eight days' time. They're doing no... No diagnostics in that time. They're checking for symptoms in the player. Now, if repeated injuries is what's causing it, enough to the stage where you have to sit out a month in the amateur game, if they took the health and safety of professional rugby players seriously, they'd say, actually, no, if you're concussed, you've got to sit sit on the sidelines for at least a month. And if they did that very quickly, clubs would change the way they do things because they can't afford to have all these players out for a month at a time. But no one left, Phil. Well, exactly. So they'd, they'd have to change the way they do things. But coming back to where I think this all started, actually, I don't know where this all started because it's, me, it's, me it's, been, it's been it's been quite just quite it's, it's my dis, it's my job to which know. I love. But, <laughs> it's my um, job to know, apparently. I have no idea. I, I think on the health and safety aspect of it, it's got to the stage now, and I'm sure this is something we were going to cover anyway. It's got to the stage now where people are getting sent off for uh, God knows what for accidents for sheer accidents so, and not even and not even accidents of theirs accidents of other players. Yeah, right. So let's so let's let's not necessarily break each one each one down. But Finn Russell well, got sent off on Friday night for what was essentially a handoff that was kind of missed, and then there was contact. Like he wasn't outstretched, elbowing him in the face, but it it went. F- what I saw on the replay was shoulder, sort of neck area, right? And 
it's now gone from head concussions, all of that, to oh well, it's the neck area that's a red card too. So yeah. what? It's it's, just... I, I just take offence at the... Well, not offence, but I, I just get annoyed by the fact that it's all referred to as foul play. And in a lot of instances, it's not foul play. It's mistimed or it's just, you know... Tom Dunn's was stupid. That was never going to hurt anyone. It wasn't going to concuss anyone. He just got... he. It was almost like an involuntary reaction to put his arm up to protect him. It's like with these gouges that are just gone... Do you want to tell a South African from the two th- early two thousands that either of those are eye gouges? So go. Let's let's look at the Tom Dunn one then. The guys run into him. Tom Dunn is stationary. He hasn't moved his feet in the slightest, and the guys run into him, and he's brought his arm up to defend himself, and he's got sent off for it. So, and all that's going to do, and it's a it's a dummy runner that the ball's gone behind. All that's going to do is encourage him. If basically, there's going to be coaches out there going. If you're if you're running a dummy line, make sure you run straight at somebody. Because there's a chance that they might react to something and we get a penalty out of it or even or a red card on their side. It's an absolute joke. I I just I don't see now that the precedent's been set as to what the actual entry level for a red card is, so unbelievably low low. I don't see how you recover from that. If anything, it gets worse, right? So, I think the only way it recovers is if people start grafting their arms off their hips. I um, so you get a red card if you put your arm up to defend yourself. You get you get a red card if your arm's tucked when you go into a ruck. You get a yellow card if you put your arm over a shoulder in a tackle. Like. The, was, it's like they're the... trying to make this target zone of like just below rib level to just above the pelvis that's the only place you're allowed to tackle someone but in a dynamic game that's played at the professional level the margins are so small it's just never going to happen you might get five of those tackles a game what was the was it was it newcastle game was there a red card in newcastle game yeah uh no it was cobra's visa wasn't it yeah it wasn't a red card was it no it wasn't a red card. no it, was, it, it must have been a, or was it ashton's card I'm trying to remember who it so was. I, I, saw, I saw I saw a red card and basically fullback or a winger, it might it might not even have been this weekend, but fullback or a winger is running down the, the wing, goes to cut inside the player, loses oh it's J- Josh Bassett um was the, the runner with the ball, goes to cut inside and loses his footing and drops into the arm of the tackler whose arm oh, is uh, Luke Luke James. Luke James, that's right, yeah whose arm is literally at kind of midway between nipple and belly height. But because Bassett loses his outside foot, he drops into that arm that's there. And the, and the rest, I think it's, it might've been Christoph Ridley said, Oh, he's made, he's made no effort to get out of the way of it. He's got like a third of a second whilst moving forwards to make a tackle to realise that Bassett's dropping to the floor by himself to get out of the way of him. What an absolute joke. What's it, what, the, what on earth is he supposed to do as a player? The only way he could have got away with that without, um, without getting carded is actually to lift his arm even higher so that Bassett goes underneath, underneath it. Underneath it. Yeah, and, and then what happens? I think Which goes what entirely these, against all instinct. I think that's what a lot of these referees are now starting to... 
they've lost the ability to see an accident. Yeah. And it's not their fault because they're that's what they're instructed and that's how they've been in, been told to referee games. You you take all element of um empathy or um knowledge of the game and how it works you take that out of it and you have a legal framework which you've got to adhere to and that takes out any sort of semblance of well he can't get out of the way it's either did he or didn't he there is no the thing that's even worse about that is it's not his accident it's bassett's accident that's caused it. It's not like yeah, that, I mean that's like, the like you can say, one, isn't it? Where it's he not ran like you can into say Sam James is reckless by what he's doing. Bassett's tripped over and fallen into him. It's like saying you get you get hit by a car, you've got to pay for the damage to the car. We 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 said this the other week, didn't we? That the the framework doesn't take into account at all the concept of a cheap shot. There was yeah. there was that red card. Well, that was like Visa's yesterday when he when he did John, John Walsh. Yeah. Or Welsh. You know, that's a red card because that was in at the side and he had an open rib. He knew what he was doing. He was yeah. trying to break the guy's ribs. Or his, or his arm. Because I think he dislocated his shoulder in the end, didn't he? He but, dislocated his shoulder, didn't he? But, but the, the one I'm thinking of is the one on Harris in one of the Gloucester games where it was it was such an obvious cheap shot. But because he caught him in the shoulder rather than directly in the head, it was just a penalty. And... Mm. And and there's no there's no there's no adjustment for that. You know, I saw someone on Twitter the, the other day. They were like, "Oh, here goes another old ex-player. When will they ever learn that these are red cards nowadays?" And it's like, it's like it's all very well like saying stuff like that. But you know, I mean, take away the absurdity of what does someone like Brian O'Driscoll know about rugby? Um, it's also that they. They know what a cheap shot is and they know what an accident is. Whereas if you've just got a spreadsheet that tells you what's a red card, you haven't got that um, leeway. I mean, I watched about three minutes of highlights from the um, 09 Lions South Africa second test. Might be one of the best three games of all time. I hate to think how many red cards there would have been in that game. If you think Berger should have gone anyway, but O'Gara would have gone, O'Driscoll would have gone. You know, it would have it's, been, the same, it's the same. It would have been eleven aside. But why? What was good about that game? It wasn't. It wasn't the triple miss moves that both teams weren't doing. It was that that game was balls out ferocious for eighty minutes. Attritional. And yeah. I think if you asked anyone that is into rugby, if you would rather have super rugby style 58-39 games or a 15-12 where both teams knock the living piss out of each other for 80 minutes, every single one of them is going to say the 15-12 knock the living piss out of each other. Well, if you look at... Apart from the the, people who are, you know, concussion crusaders. What are the compilation videos on YouTube or that get circulated on Facebook? They're not a compilation of the most amazing backs moves off first phase that score tries. No. They're compilations of the biggest hits. I mean, Co- I think we how should How many not players together- can Courtney Laws break? Yeah, I think we should knock together a, um, you know, a safest tackles montage <laughs> or a perfectly reset scrum. <laughs> you won't you find know. one. 
I mean, the, the absolute circle wank that's going on about George Ford's spiral bombs, like he's like like he's invented some kind of nuclear fusion. It's just you know, if that if that's what's exciting about rugby now, somebody punting a ball up into the air that nobody can catch, then Jesus Christ, has the game got a problem? It's you know, everyone got a little bit excited about a little bit of afters before or befores <laughs> in the Newcastle Leicester game. Everyone, everyone was sitting there going, cannot wait for the first scrum. But we might not see another event like that for 18 months, two years. I can't remember the last time. Nothing gets nothing people happened. watching rugby like Julian White sparking out Andrew Sheridan. <laughs> nothing. Yeah, and and the game has lost that. It's lost it, and it'll. I, it's never coming back. And I think it's the worst for it. And that and that's the thing. Like that Ginge and and uh, Welsh thing was absolutely like it was less than nothing. Like the it was literally nothing. And um, and uh, uh, I'm assuming Genge just said something that's probably got Welsh's skin at some yeah, point. Which jobbed is... off, and John Welsh is a bit old school, isn't he? And it's just for I'm, you know, I'm not having. I'm going to have you, but yeah. mate, he was skating backwards, weren't he? When Welsh came up, to yeah. Him. Honestly, he looked like an NHL defender. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, but just on just on that one, you know, there were some friends of ours on Twitter yesterday, um, and I use the term friends loosely. Um, scapegoat or you know scapegoat in Cobus Visa and you know he's had a couple of red cards and a couple of yellows this season but saying that, oh yeah you know, something's happened they've deliberately targeted they did because of what happened before the game they've deliberately targeted John Welsh there yeah he's been targeted I think now, he targeted the player but like yeah. you said I don't think he had any idea who it was he, he saw it yeah. you know he saw an open set of ribs didn't he you, yeah absolutely gonna, you know well, I think it's, it's not premeditated. It's not like it's not. He's not gone out there to do John Walsh. I mean, like you say, he's probably gone there to do one of them. He's gone there <laughs> to do someone. Absolutely, yeah. you can't argue against that because that is it's not good. But, but I mean, I you it, know I feel bad for John Walsh because I I've got a real soft spot for him because he just looks like an alcoholic Glaswegian. <laughs> well, did you see the other thing? Did you see on um, fucking hell? Um, John Barkley and somebody else were on um, on Twitter. So somebody said, "Oh no, it's Ryan Wilson." who said, uh, "It's a good job somebody got in the way because John Welsh was a, would literally have flattened Ellis Genge." <laughs> somebody, somebody, somebody else has gone. Oh no, he wouldn't fucking Ellis Genge. You know, his hard as nails or whatever. And John Barkley has just replied to Ryan Wilson just one word, just saying, "Correct." And, <laughs> and someone, someone has decided to quote tweet John Barkley. And at the BBC, because obviously he did punditry in the BBC over the Six Nations, and suggests that, oh, is who this did? how who, who, just who some broke... random circle wanker? Uh, who, not Lana, who, then. Who, who then uh, no, not, not Galana, um, <laughs> who decided to, to tweet the BBC and say, is this how you believe your uh, pundits oh, should, oh. Be, should be oh, acting, um, condoning oh. violence? wasn't condoning anything. He was just agreeing with a former teammate. Yeah, yeah. he would. He would. Absolutely. And that and that's the... I mean, it's almost the fucking root cause of everything at the moment, isn't it? Um, social media. 
Still, good news about France Scotland, eh? <laughs> is that where they started? Yeah, half yeah. an hour yeah. ago. Yeah. yeah. I, but I, the problem rugby has also got now is that there's two very distinct camps of rugby people, right? There's the blokes like us who are, you know, cross the generations between amateur and pro. And then there's people that have picked it up recently or are a bit younger who are into all the concussion stuff. And unfortunately, they're all loud, whinging bitches who are going to make the RFU and world rugby sit up and take notice of their loud, whinging bitching. And people like us are going, no, but we liked rugby before, mate. Like, can't you just leave it alone? Why do you tits have to come over here and ruin everything? Like, Ben, you've sent a little message into our group, which quite adequately sums up what's happening here. We are shouting at clouds. But it's because we're watching a product that's borderline unwatchable at the moment. And it came from such a place of essentially just the last thing that was truly gladiatorial outside of combat sports, right? I remember watching Six Nations matches with my dad, who's a football player. And he would be wincing at the television with just, but would have just the most unbelievable respect for anyone that would want to go and do that. And the people that enjoyed it. Um, and now we've got to a point where it's a bit like Sunday league football. Now you've got a load of gobshites who throw their weight around knowing that nothing's going to happen. Yeah. You've got referees who want to be center of attention rules that are just nonsensical at times. Even the punditry, and I've got to be a bit careful, obviously, because of work and whatever. But I feel like even the punditry now is so geared towards criticizing refereeing decisions and asking for cards and analyzing the minutiae of, you know, well, he's led with the forearm and it's hit, it's hit his, it's hit his um, thorax or whatever. You know, it, it just seems like it makes me potentially I am a dinosaur and maybe, you know, Georgie Bingham and all those people are right, but the product that they want is fundamentally unwatchable. Listen, um, there is a group of commentators out there, Delalio, Monia, Kay, who do exactly what you say. They, they are there to hyper hypercritically analyze decisions that are made and to to and they and for ex players they they actually put absolutely zero contextualization into what happens and what has happened on a rugby pitch i really don't like the guy but in this regard i actually think austin healy does a pretty good job of, of standing up for the players and going i couldn't agree more i think he's what, fantastic. what else has he got to do he, he has he has no other option. Uh, I and... think Ugo at the weekend on the Sunday game, he just spent the whole of half time saying, "Well, that should have been a red card. That should have been a red card. That should have been a red card." It's like, what about some of the you know? Did some rugby happen or not? I don't. <laughs> but uh, but I think it's a I think it's a symptom of the way society is at the moment and Brexit and coronavirus and various other things. All people want to do is hyperanalyze shit instead of just enjoying the product that's in front of them the the other thing i think is a is a factor is um i think it's happened with nearly every sport 
I think the authorities of these sports get into their head that more points equals more entertainment. Mm, so yeah. you get it, you get it with that's why well, you've got the, the 2020 and the hundred because there's more runs scored more quickly. But it, it takes away from the game because the, the bowlers haven't got a chance and there's no you know, close fielding, anything like that. You and get, all the you, pitches become roads. Yeah. You've got it with NFL in that you can't touch the quarterback anymore. Every like decent hit gets flagged. And, but the game's got more popular because there's more attacking. And rugby's, you know, there's, there's this view that the super, you know, some people love super rugby because it's so attacking. And I think what they found is that the more rules that they bring in for safety, they usually affect the defensive side of the game. So they're producing more points. And I think, so there's no, from the, from the official sources, there's no real pushback on it because they're like, oh, well, if we stop tackles in midfield or, or, or someone gets sent off, it opens up more space in the pitch, then we're going to have more points and more people are going to watch and we'll be bigger than football one day, which just isn't going to happen. It's, it's the nonsense of not catering to the people that you already have. It's this constant need to get new people in. And I understand it. You know, they want to sell this and they want to sell that. But if you alienate your core audience, new people aren't going to watch anyway. Because there's going to be no one that says, you should try watching rugby. If you're bored of football, come and watch some rugby. Because the people that are actually already rugby fans aren't going to be watching because they'll be so put off by the product. And I think that's where the premiership is getting to. They've got this huge desire to get new people to watch, but they're not catering for the people that already do. And they're taking away everything that brought us four together. Most of the people that listen to us, you know, most of the other people that do podcasts, you know, that they're, they're alienating those people to try and get, I, I don't even know who these new people are that they think they're going to attract because you ain't, you ain't getting Brian down the pub who watches every Man United game on Sky to watch rugby. It's just not happening. You know what? I, that's why I think Ellis Genji is pretty good for brand rugby because he does get some people talking about it and potentially wanting to watch a bit of what he does. Yeah, but what, what happens to Ellis Genji? 50% of people, I mean, we've already called him a knobhead on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, you know? and he is no, a knobhead, but... But knobheads are sometimes I, I mean, good for I wouldn't good say that to your audience. face if you are listening, Ellis. You'd probably, you'd, you'd smash me to the moon, but... But for what it's worth, Ellis, I, I don't think you're a knobhead. It's the other three. <laughs> he's but actually, that's, that's he's a little bit... That's not to say bit... I don't like it. I like having knobheads in the sport. He's a little <laughs> bit like um, Mickey you Skinner. Figure, doesn't it? Mickey Skinner was a bit of a knobhead, but people... People loved them, didn't they? They, oh, they got yeah. Nobed. Yeah. I, 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 if you going back to who was it at the pub? Uh, was it Brian. Big Dave? Brian. Big Brian. No, Brian. If you're sat in the pub with someone watching a game of rugby and they're not interested in the rugby, and your team scored a try from under their own posts with six offloads straight under the other posts, and you turned to Big Brian and went, "Watch that! That was amazing." He'd watch it and just go. Mm. How do they get it forwards? They pass yeah. it backwards. Ooh, banter. If you showed him someone getting absolutely marmalised in a tackle, he'd probably be like, 
that was cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you really would. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but even for, you know, and it, it happened to football. You look at the 1990 World Cup and that Cameroon Argentina <laughs> game where there was yeah. that break and the and six Cameroonian guys tried to take away Claudio Caniggia's legs, and then you go to make the final the 2000s, of World Cup. There was Argentina a, West Germany in the final of the 1990 in the final of that World Cup. Argentina yeah. basically assaulted Germany for 90 minutes. But, I remember sending a clip to um, one of my, you know, Dave from the Power Shankers Golf Group of Man United Chelsea in the mid 2000s, and it was like a hype reel that Sky had put together for the following season's Chelsea match or the the, the return fixture, and it was just Nicky Butt, Paul Scholes, and a few other Man United players and a few Chelsea players, Frank LeBeouf, just kicking shit out of each other. And I said, how many red cards would this be now? And it'd be, well, it's, it'd be five aside by the end of this. You know, it's happened to football. It's happening to rugby. And a lot of football fans, we sound like our dads now because we're like, well, I don't like how football's played anymore. You know, you can't touch anyone. And that's what's happening to rugby. And I, I fear for where it's going to end up in another 10 years. I, I'm not sure how it even exists in 10 years. Be touch and sevens. God help us. I said, this, I said this to George the other day. We both we both just said, uh, well, we had a good run. Yeah. We enjoyed it. We had a good run, rugby and I. We can always look back. Yeah. It just seems like, like how many games had 80-plus points in this weekend? Pretty much all of them, right? Uh, yeah, part, part of that is because um, there's no relegation. So Yeah. Teams are sticking out sides that they wouldn't in, in a normal season. Do you, do you um, think that this? Do you think that this is going to affect Premiership rugby with their ring fencing thing going forward? Because I don't. No. Do you think what will affect this? Is, well, oh, no, this, 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 this is what the, they the want, end of this mate. season is yeah, coming it, out. It, it'll this be the same. It'll be the yeah. same thought process that I was talking about earlier. They'll be like, "Oh, brilliant! Every game's finishing forty-three for thirty-three. No point but, having any relegation." The other thing is that the people who want to ring, ring fence it don't really care about rugby. They care about money. That's yeah. So it doesn't really matter what happens on the pitch as long as people pay their money. But, I mean, yeah. Could you ever see yourself dropping down and watching championship rugby instead of premiership? Absolutely. Yeah. If it goes the same yeah. way as like ITM Cup and Super Rugby. Yeah, probably Because I feel like so. I would. I'd, I'd probably... Well, I don't know. Ealing are probably my nearest team now. Let's so say probably, let's say they yeah. ring fence it. What's the stop? If let's say they ring fence it, what's the stop if the championship get and national one get fifteen twenty investors come in with a chunk of money, do their own um, TV deal? Okay, it's not going to happen instantly, and and actually go with a with a tiered system where you've got promotion and relegation. It becomes a more viable product. You could be in a situation where the Premiership dies, apart from the fact that guys like CVC are invested in it, who won't allow that to happen. But yeah, I mean, for me, for me, if the Premiership ring fences, the RFU should just pull all their funding. Yeah, yeah, pull the lot of it and say, well, okay, if yeah. if England rugby has to suffer now for a few years because of this, then fine. But we're putting our money in the RFU Championship, and yeah. that's where we're going to pull our players. And if we have to lose a few international matches and say goodbye to Super Rugby. You know, fine. 
But I don't think that if there's a ring fence league, the RFU should put any money whatsoever into it. No, no because the money, because the money's coming from CBC, the money's coming from the PRL. It's mm. it shouldn't be RFU based. Well, they're, they're essentially removing themselves from the RFU pyramid, so they yeah. shouldn't shouldn't receive any of the benefits of being within that. Correct. Yeah, agree. Agree entirely. And then hopefully, with that in mind, that would enable more championship rugby to be more visible, to enable it to grow, and then you know. And then the the whole life can't well, starts again. Hopefully. Realistically, if you look at Premiership rugby, you look at Sale have been nomadic; they haven't really got a home. Wasps have been all up and down the country. So have Saracens have been all around London. London Irish, Irish have been up and down the country everywhere. Bristol have played in two grounds. Worcester have been up and down the leagues, but I mean, I guess they've always played at six ways. Newcastle. Well, they only exist because of the money. They were Newcastle Gosford for the money, weren't they? And they were a bit shit. Yeah. But they they wanted a team in the north. Yeah. So there's only really Quinns, Saints, Leicester, Exeter to an extent, and Bath that are like real died in the wall. We come from here. This is our identity. And if you look down the pyramid... Richmond, um, Doncaster, Ely, you know, all those, they're, they're in the community. They're part of that. They're actual rugby clubs, aren't they? They're still rugby clubs at heart. And I think there's a bit more, I feel hey, like we... a little bit more connected to that than I do these sort of premiership entities that have just sort of, well, their, when... their self-interest has taken over. When Ryan bit back about me taking the piss out of him last week for pretending to be Welsh, despite the fact that he's clearly English, um, and and the fact that I now support Exeter and I didn't support Exeter before, and he said, oh, do you want to go to, what about Pirates games? And actually, I thought, yeah, you know what? I am going to go to more Pirates games. And when when people are allowed to go... <laughs> go and watch rugby matches. I'm going. First game I'll go and watch will be a Pirates game. And why? And... Why Pirates and not Redruth? Because Pirates are a nomad club, right? They're they've been all over the place. But Redruth is from Redruth, or Launceston, or someone like that. You know, because they're well, still national level, right? Well, Launceston are on a are on a massive spiral downwards. They've they've got serious issues within the club. Right. Um, they are. Uh, I don't know. I think they might be the, Cor- the Cornish Pirates. The Cornish Pirates were always Penzance, but they did have a bit of time in Truro because there was somewhere for them to play where they were try- trying to you know, trying to grow. But essentially, the the but they were two clubs, right? They were two clubs that merged. Penzance, Penzance, and Newlyn. are literally right next to each other, so it was always just. Penzance and it's New. always been Newland Pirates. Yeah. So before they were Cornish, they were Penzance and Penzance Newland Pirates. Pirates. Yeah. Right. yeah. Which, which bring back the which Penzance. Was a very, yeah. Well, I, rem- well, I that remember. That was a marketing thing, wasn't it? That was, yeah. that was just a, uh, you know, a, a thing when when champ- when the championship rugby was starting to gain a bit of notoriety. When and they, they literally did that for that marketing re- to try and entice people to say this is Cornwall's rugby club, yeah, rather well, than just Penzance. I, I remember when, uh, oh, sorry, I was going to call them Penzance then. When Pirates and 
Launceston were in the same league. They played at they played each other at Camborne, I think it was, or Red Ruth, one or the other. Um, I've done a Pirates game at Camborne. I know that much. Yeah, I think this might have been at Red Ruth actually, but um, I was stood behind this um, older gentleman in his sort of nineteen sixties Penzance Newlin rugby shirt, which which you would have loved, Doug. <laughs> but if you want to look it's it up, coloured hoops. Uh, yeah, and um, he shouted out, he shouted out, "Come on, Newlin!" I think it was, or "Come on, Penzance!" or something like that. And this lady tapped him on the shoulder and went, "I think you're fine with pirates now." <laughs> <laughs> and um, he Did was he very knock her polite. Out? No, he was very polite actually, but it it was like if looks could kill, you know. Yeah. He was just it yeah. was just like oh, I, we? I was going to ask you, are there people down there that won't watch them because they're Penzance? Like there are with Cardiff and Newport. You know, there there are people that but my dad was never interested. Right. Because he was like I didn't I didn't support Penzance, why would I suddenly start supporting the Pirates? Yeah. There will be diehard Red Roof fans, oh, diehard sure. Campbell fans. That would know would that would wouldn't dream of going to the Bene to watch the Pirates. I mean, I'd rather I'd rather go and watch Hornets play. I'd rather I'd rather play. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I if if um if rugby at the top level keeps going the way it's going, then I think I'll drop down the drop down to the championship. Um, so on on Launceston, they sure. were national national one two thousand and eight, and since then they've had four relegations and one promotion. So they're now Southwest Premier to fifth tier. I think that is they're, they're a victim of a bit like Mounts Bay. If you remember the meteoric rise of Mounts Bay, I mean this is getting quite niche into Cornish yeah. rugby podcasting now, yeah. even for us. But Mounts Bay came from nowhere. Um, with a load of money and they had an um, unbelievable team and they got up to national one, I think it, at one point, literally in, in the space of about seven seasons, they just went bang, 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 bang. Mm. And then the money dried up and they literally ceased to exist. Very, well, I mean, it's very like my so, Colts club, Bishop Stortford are now national one. And they, when I started with them, they were like level seven. And so, um, um, Jimmy they can Tuck- go up and down and up and down, you know. Jimmy Tucker was a uh, Launceston coach three or four years ago, and I was chatting to him about it, and he was saying that this was he got got given the position off the back of back to back relegations, um, and and he just said that the culture in the club was they were really struggling, and they had to almost start again, um, kind of recruit again from within Cornwall but, to try and the thing is build the thing that is with culture that, right. The thing with that local level stuff is you have a coach comes in makes pals with the players, he goes to a better club, takes all his mates with him, and that completely kills a club, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, although... Especially if it hasn't Jimmy, got a good youth set up. Jimmy was, uh, Jimmy's launching through and through and was, uh, yeah, that, that's his club. And it, and he was there kind of just to to kind of stop the rot and sort things out. As much but that, that happens everywhere, you know. But yeah, you're right. You see, like, clubs like, again, I've only got personal experience of this, but St Austell, St Ives... They, they get a sniff of success. They find a bit of money. They start bringing players in and paying. And, and all of a sudden, the success comes. And then somebody a little bit bigger and a bit better comes along and takes the, takes the two or three players that have progressed that little bit more 
than all of the others. So they then step up a level. And all of a sudden, that team goes from being from beating everyone locally and being really competitive in a slightly more southern counties or whatever league. You take those two, three, four players out that have progressed significantly to that standard, whereas that drag the other ones along with the lads, lads, lads and team spirit and, you know, all of the stuff that can only get you so far. And then when they go to take up an opportunity elsewhere, that team decimates. How quick, you know, it happened It happened at Hornets, you know, to a certain extent, but it happens everywhere. And there are clubs in football, all over, mate. All over the country. Like yeah. That. Yeah. You know, manager comes in, brings all his mates in. You get three promotions. Lads that have been there 10 years can't get a game, so they're playing in the twos. Yeah. Then they all fuck off to a better team. And you have to come in and play at a level you were never good at, good enough for. And you get pumped every week. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of Cornish teams hit the wall when they get to a certain amount of travelling, don't they? And then they yeah. can't guarantee a team for away fixtures. or They'll, they'll get a team out, but it won't be as mm-hmm. strong as as the, the home team and and then and things start to fracture then don't they but and... that that's a that's a rugby problem isn't it or it's a sport problem like it's it's a bit of a a bit of a cancerous thing that finds its way into most clubs here or there across the country unless the leadership is as such that you know exactly what you want from your club you know what you want your club to be and you're happy with the way that that club's run. But you see, you know, it's all very well with it, having a great season and getting promoted and then going, you know what, let's go up and let's see what we can do, lads. The but realities the second, of it are often different, though. Yeah, absolutely. But the second the second you start to then go, right, OK, well, we need to get, we need to improve here, here and here, fine. You know, you look to, to improve. But the minute that that culture changes from being being that local club that supports local and that wants to, to grow and be a, a proper foundation. The clubs that do that properly and add one or two here and there and they build steadily are the ones that are successful. The ones that come in and go, right, well, we need we need a new man. We'll get a new manager or a new coach and then he'll bring we'll in a load of players. Two overseas guys in. Yeah. And it's not just rugby. You say it's football. It's, it's everywhere. It's cricket. Yeah. Happens everywhere. And... You know, that's how Russ ended up playing at Perrinport. Well, yeah, you're bringing in the big guns, um, <laughs> Fat Ben Stokes. <laughs> fat... <laughs> I mean, I've been called a Fat Wayne Rooney, a Fat Dan, Dan Cole, and a Fat Ben Stokes. So, you know, we're completing the trifecta. There's a, there's a common theme there. Ben but... Stokes is absolutely raging on the on the off chance he listens to this podcast. <laughs> I've just been Ben Stokes just been compared to a middle aged ginger bald man oh, fat Johnny Bairstow then <laughs> no fuck fuck off <laughs> I, I absolutely oh I can guarantee Russ you would review every time given the option oh I'm not you'd a reviewer, be a terrible reviewer Russ <laughs> I'm not a reviewer I'm not a reviewer mate I'd, I'd, I'd shout at the umpire, smash the stumps over me, bat and walk Cause, off. Because you can't do what you do in golf and just go, oh, I just won't count that one going out of bounds. Mulligan. <laughs> A mulligan in cricket. Yeah, only hit one of the stumps, it don't count. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, but yeah, so, Wales, France, though, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, 
as as it transpires, we've just been talking for an hour um, about absolutely nothing in particular, and we didn't really talk about Wales, France. We haven't really or, or Scotland, France. Oh yeah, Scotland, France. <laughs> we also well that was yeah. a good game as well, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. We talked about Wales, France last week. Um, we haven't really talked about any Premiership games because. Well, Northampton put sixty points on on Worcester, like ring ring fencing, blah blah blah. Well, cards, Worcester blah, blah. seem like they've their coach has left and taken their entire front row with him. <laughs> yeah, well, you may as well have done, mate. Not bad, is it? <laughs> and they bought in, and they bought in Chris Ashton to replace. Him. I mean, how that how that can't still manages to get a gig is beyond me. I don't get it. Uh, it's, and quite, probably... it's quite funny, actually, because this conversation we're having that we've had about lower league rugby, I was playing with two lads that play for Ickenham Rugby Club today, oh, right. playing golf with them um, here in an Aaron. And, uh, <laughs> not just playing with them, not, not Ickenham so. were um, apparently quite good once, and then they lost their entire front row and did a Worcester and got relegated a load. So happens everywhere. Yeah. Um, oh, fuck. But, but this is what we've got to look forward to with ring fencing is you get halfway through the season and four sides start thinking about what's happening next yeah, season. I don't know how we do a podcast about Premiership Rugby if this is the kind of product we serve because I, I don't care about these games, do you? Well, Exeter don't care because they're pretty much secured in the top four. So what they'll do is they'll rest a load of players and then they'll... Uh, They'll build it up for the last four or five weeks so that they're all firing come the, the semi-finals. Bristol are running on a high and they'll keep doing what they do. And the rest of them are just, yeah. yeah. But that's the thing, isn't it? So you've got Bristol now who are comfortably, they could they could play their under-12s for the next seven games and mm-hmm. still probably qualify for, for the top four. Exeter, Sale and Quinns then at 49 46, 45, Northampton on 41, London Irish are on 40. Like you just say, Phil, Exeter will will manage their squad now. You know, they'll probably, they'll say, right, we've got seven games left. You know, we've got Europe that nobody seems to care about for the next two weeks. So bear, so for all of the shit premiership chat that we haven't done, we've got a shit European competition to look forward to. As well. <laughs> oh, we can just get together and talk about other stuff. Yeah. Fine. yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, you just think, well, X to win four of seven games, they're going to get a home semi-final. That's, yeah. You know, and they can afford to play. I mean, you look at that team. You were there, Doug, on Friday. That was, you know, a largely Gloucester first team. They brought back Atkinson, Reece Samet, Johnny May, and Exeter literally played. You took them all away. They took For it, they argument's took sake, an, an academy side. Yeah. I, I don't know, you know, I... I really don't know where where the premiership's going. Like it'll be interesting to see how Saracens fit into all this when they come back up. Because then you've got three teams playing for two home semi-finals. They've got some work but, to do if they want to get up. Are Saracens guaranteed to be as good as they were? Because they're not going to have the squad they had. No, and that's where you've got to ask yourself another question: is that when it, when it comes to all of these teams that have built their squads international time when when you take all of those all of that stardust out of the Saracens team what are they actually left with yeah i mean they're, they're, they're they, with... they literally had two internationals at every position and they're not going to have that when they come back up 
So I think they may fall back into being like a sale kind of level team that can beat anyone but can also lose to anyone. It'll be interesting to see whether they're that level or if they're going to be Bristol Exeter level because Bristol just seem to be like Exeter in that their system overcomes any sort of drop-off in their team. And they've dated Bristol have accumulated an incredible squad of players, like an unbelievable squad of players. And I know there's a, you know, I, I am of no, I don't really give a fuck about the salary cap as such, like uh, when regards to not the fact that Saracens broke it, but the fact that actually, what does it matter to anybody anymore? Really? You know, Bristol have got a lot of money. They seem to have all of these players, but they found a way of doing it. I'd, yeah, but I don't think they've got a lot of players. It's like Pat Lamb said, mate. I, I think they've got a lot of players at value. You look at Morahan, Purdy, O'Connor, yeah. Sheedy. They've all developed into great players. They aren't paying them great players. Yeah. No, but then you've got Luatua, um, Pierre Towles. You've got... Um, Nathan Hughes, you've got, um, I mean, John Afoa has just signed a new contract today, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he, I mean, won't, be, he, mate, he won't be on top money. He's, he's old as fuck. No, but it might be that they restructured his contract and are now paying him less just to keep him on yeah. the books. But you and, go down a level, they've got a lot of kids, mate, that have come up from the academy. I don't, Saracen's yeah, literally but, had an international rugby player at every position twice. Yeah. But a lot of those came through the academy at Saracens as well. To, yeah, but they were all fair. on second contracts. They weren't on academy well, contracts. And, and I think that's I think that's potentially the point that Bristol are going to hit at some point. Is yeah, well, they're going to have to Sheedy, pay Sheedy's not going to hang around past his current contract because he's going to want to play for Wales. So he's going to go to to uh, a Welsh region. Um, and but there's yeah there's players there on on academy or post academy contracts who are either going to want to renegotiate a, a much higher pay rise, or are good, just going to have to be let go because all of a sudden their uh, their their salary counts towards the salary cap, and that's yeah. that's effectively where Exeter have been for the last four or five years. You see some of the names leaving Exeter, and you go, Christ, he's a he's a valuable member of the squad. Why is he left? And he's left because they've run out of their academy contract time and they've yeah. got to go on to man- manage that salary cap and Bristol will get there I, yeah, I don't think Siali uh, uh, Piertau not not on a lot of money I wouldn't have thought so you've got Piertau in the backs and you've got well you um, surely Randra, Randra, who, Randra, who, Randra. yeah so th- there's two players that are probably on very good money but then everyone else Prothero plays oh. on the wing doesn't he that now Largo he won't be on a lot of cash yeah Adil Oaken. Char- yeah. Charlie's on a million, but what what Charlie Piertau's on is irrelevant because he's a marquee player, so it doesn't count yeah. towards your cap anyway. Yeah, I I don't have the same sort of so like when Saracen signed Daly and Williams, yeah, yeah, yeah. off season, and you were like, I mean, come on, there's like that that was essentially the drug dealer who's got loads of money, but is keeping it on the low going out and buying a Ferrari. It's like, I always wondered about you, mate, but you are definitely a drug dealer because yeah. I know you and you're thick as mints. You buy <laughs> a Ferrari and you're never at work. That's what Saracens did. 
And also, you've just offered to sell me drugs. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and uh, I love <laughs> DMA. Or, 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 or so, I've just bought drugs from you. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's fucking, it's nuts. So they're, they're basically, they're, they're basically um, Pablo Escobar when he bought the zoo. For the did, um, did you hear about his hippos? Oh, no. Escobar. Yeah, so I mean, we're, 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 we're disappearing down a very strange hippos. I don't know if Ciali Piertau has got any hippos, but Pablo Escobar had a, hippos in his zoo and they've escaped into what it's not the Amazon, but whatever the river in Colombia is. And um, they're like ruining the ecosystem, basically. So the government. <laughs> Are gonna they the government want to cull them, but the locals love the hippos, so there's like <laughs> massive like protests against the government for trying to kill the hippos. What is there like hundreds of hippos now? I think I don't know if it's hundreds, but it's dozens, you know. And <laughs> I mean, dozens of hippos is yeah. probably enough, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of hippos, isn't it? Yeah, they're, they're one, quite a lot one of, hippo a lot in of... the Thames. You're like, cute, <laughs> yeah. 12 hippos. <laughs> Getting out of the Thames and smashing up Parliament Street. Yeah. As I said, liven up the boat race, wouldn't it? I mean, yeah. that's that's a lot of sort of tonnage of hippo as well, isn't it? it in is. comparison yeah. to, you know, I mean, are they good eating? Could you, could, you, could, could you, like, farm them for their fillets? I think you can eat them, can't you? Because they're quite closely related to horses. You can eat whatever you like. Yeah. Maybe we should uh, put that on the, the FRD group, see if someone could come up with a recipe for roast <laughs> hippo dye or something. Barbecued hippo. Be quite fatty, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be quite tough exteriorly as well. Yeah, yeah, you'd have to braise it, wouldn't you? It would be a slow cook, you know, one of the, <laughs> a winter warmer. Well, about a hippo fry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Over a bed of white cap. <laughs> there's the, the, post, uh, the podcast title 12 hour hippo fry. Amazing. Um, I mean, so while you've been talking about hippos, I've been doing a bit bit of digging, and I reckon that Semi's on about six hundred thousand pounds a year. He's going to be not included in the salary cap, though, either, is he? Nah. Or is, nah. is it lower to I'm, I'm sorry, were we were we talking about rugby or were we talking about hippos? <laughs> they're, they're known locally as the cocaine hippos. <laughs> episode, like, do they so do they deal as well? <laughs> cocaine hippos. Um, if we call it cocaine hippos, right? People are going to find this podcast and think this, have, is a, this is a this mate, is a jolly. This will be a jolly bringing new people to the pod, and it is just us for whinging for an hour <laughs> and ridiculous. We're basically we're basically the PRL of podcasts of rugby podcasts. I'm not Paul Morgan. Called it <laughs> no me either. <laughs> <laughs> E- equally, they reckon Lua 2 is on 650. So, <laughs> stop bringing your facts to this hippo podcast, Phil. Well, Nobody no, cares. Just... <laughs> yeah, you're right, actually. Sorry. Talk to me about these cocaine hippos. <laughs> I mean, you are, are they all geared up? Are they what? <laughs> I like that one. Are they just sitting in a river chatting really loudly and obnoxiously? <laughs> oh, they're right. Oh, they, no. Really, look. Like, really wide eyed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's um, 80 to 120 cocaine hippos. I mean, that's more than that's more than a couple of dozen, isn't it? But without 
without a cull, they could reach over 1,400 by 2034. Yeah, but that's, so that's, like, that's like saying with, with no breeding control, humans could hit Please. 22 million in the next... Please. Five years. Uh, it's not going to happen. With the best of luck, Phil. Please, uh, please go well in uh, getting some hippo breeding control. Shoot them and eat them. Can we? Can do you mind if I just delete the first hour and eight minutes of this podcast? I'm, <laughs> I'm, just I'm really... sorry. I am sorry, but the man that has been castrating the hippos it's from Colombia. It's called Carlos Valderrama. <laughs> <laughs> Is he being ably assisted by Rene Higuita? Could you imagine him just trying to castrate them with his heels, just like spinning forward? And... Scorpion kicks them, don't he? Yeah, that's what I mean. That's that's it. That's what it was called. Yeah. Who was the key? Who was the Colombian footballer that got shot dead after scoring an own goal? Um, Pat, that was Escobar, wasn't it? Andreas He's, Escobar. Yeah, he was called Andreas, Escobar. Andreas Escobar. Yeah. Oh, another unfortunate Escobar death. Yeah. He found it too tricky, didn't he? What's the football equivalent of that? Collapsing a mall and giving away a penalty try in the World Cup and then having some drug dealer take you in, out. In the, in the group stage. It's, yeah. Yeah. yeah it'd be thrown an interception, wouldn't it? Yeah, you threw an interception against... Uh, Uruguay. Is it is it not um is it not Liam Williams diving over the top and getting a yellow card in the game against France? Because that's the way the entire of Welsh Twitter has responded. <laughs> Include, you can including... just imagine Josh from Blood and Mud like wow. waiting outside his house to cap him. <laughs> <laughs> you don't well, have with, to imagine with, it. With, with, <laughs> with his really harsh tongue. Yeah. <laughs> Give him a good tongue lashing. Right, Liam, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you down with my acerbic wit. I, uh, oh God, I heard that uh, he doubled down, you know, on his uh, on his Liam Williams. Um, he's oh. at fault for everything on the Blood and Mud list last week on let, their page. Let's, let's not get into other podcasts. He okay. doubled down. No, I want to hear this. No, uh, yeah, apparently doubled down on the on why he thought that he wasn't at fault for that whole situation. Just um, apologize, man. Yeah. I mean, the irony, the irony of, of saying a lot of what people say, and I will caveat and I will basically, I, I will move the egg chasers to one side from here because they're good guys, right? And I will just, having interacted with them properly, spoken to them, met them, right? We'll move them to one side. If you are going to tell people what they think, don't then register your podcast on patreon and make them pay for it as well it's the i don't know if i made any sense there but you, you did but i think it was probably at too high a level for uh, for a lot of our uh, i just think that you know panel from being, from being told on twitter by one of them who writes fucking pithy one-liners for the guardian in in live chat and then the other one who is the most virtuous cunt on Twitter, um, that that you're not allowed to disagree with them, otherwise, you know, you're basically a dickhead. There's no reasoned debate or, or explanation. It's just you either agree or you're a dick. 
Um, and then you make people pay for a podcast that it just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand. I think what you're basically saying is what you don't want is somebody to give you an opinion that you have to have and then to pay for the privilege of it as well. Being told what you think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, let's not let's... get gorilla chat, uh, uh, hippo chat, hippo free. chat, yeah, Colombian hippo chat. Ben, you... Ben's just uh, sent us a YouTube video, and I think what we'll do is we will link uh, that YouTube into our Twitter. <laughs> so yeah, we're 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 the source of all um, shaving-related humor, cocaine, yeah. cocaine, wild animals, and basically anything other than. I think we should be proud of the fact that we are the rugby podcast that contains the least amount of rugby chat. Well, I think we're hitting. Oh, mind you, Eddie's um, up there, isn't he? We're hitting our mission statement of kind of pub-based rugby chat. Wait till Eddie hears about the cocaine hippos. I mean, (laughs) Eddie's got. He's close. He's close (laughs) enough to (laughs) Colombia to go and visit. It wouldn't surprise me if he went to try and lasso one. Drag it back to Albuquerque. He wouldn't need to lasso it. He'd just pick it up. See the size of his arms. Just I mean, grab it I'm, in a headlock. Crocodile roll it out of the river. Knock it out and drag it back to Utah or wherever he lives. Do you think Do you think the US oh, customs, customs enforcement people have cottoned on to all these hippos getting shipped across to the States from Colombia? Might be, <laughs> might be crushed, full of something else. Crushing them and sniffing them. <laughs> Yeah, the the hippos have filled hippo, hippo full of cocaine. Should we, uh, having had a shock with the length of the Ed Chasers podcast, should we maybe think about wrapping this up? <laughs> let's, let's do it now. Let's do it now. We've we've stopped talking about rugby a long time ago, um, so why not? It's been an hour long. Anyway. I mean, I want, I want, yeah, I wanted to talk a, a, a little bit about. The, the officiated and the amount of cards, but I kind of we kind of done that to death, didn't we? In in a different way than what. Yeah, I was we only, we only did that for about an hour and ten minutes. Yeah, we, and we don't need to micro analyze every single card, do we? No, no. They were all marginally ridiculous. I think a lot of them. I don't yeah. mind cards for repeated penalties, but some of the stuff that's getting carded now is, you know. Yeah, and Craig Maxwell Keys is still an joy utter, vacuum, utter bell whiff. Uh, Christoph Wid- Rid- Widley. Widley. Christoph Wid- Widley. Widley. <laughs> Widley. <laughs> Christoph Widley. Dwayne Didley. Christoph Ridley is. That's a nickname for the going to stick, isn't it? Christoph Widley. Dwayne Didley. Referee in this week. Um, and, and even Carl Dixon, you know, they are. Yeah, literally... two of the fussiest touch judges I've ever seen. They made so many penalty decisions at the weekend. It was laughable. Yeah. Like some of the ones for, there was one for jumping across the line out and touching an arm. He barely, anyway. That's, yeah, right. you're, you're Let's talking wrap about up. rugby. Uh, do we, other, than, other than cocaine hippos, does anybody have any, any other business? <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> I, I, think, I think I've done enough. Yeah. I mean, Russ and I, we both played golf today. I played two rounds, 36 holes. Um, still undergoing treatment for sciatica, so tomorrow's going to be fun. I, I played a bit of golf today as well. Hit about really? 40 balls in the garden with my sandwich. Nice. Phil's garden is like fucking 20 acres. And yeah, then, I bet Phil hits then, a long ball, though, doesn't he? 
belted uh, four three irons over the fields with the horses in. You, I bet you hit a long ball, Phil, right? Yeah, ish. Yeah. It's never straight. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I, I also obviously I play golf badly. New clubs, excellent. My golf bad. Hmm. And for the record, Doug is wearing quite a, a lavish uh, Jay Lindenberg golf top. And for those of you who know golf, uh, that makes him a pretentious prick. So uh... <laughs> you stick to your Under Armour, mate. Whatever. I don't wear Under Armour, mate. It's not for me. <laughs> just a just a standard foot joy, man. Just see where see where it goes. I believe it's a little bit more forgiving for the more discerning yeah, do they, gents. Do they cater for the wider belly? <laughs> for the more discerning gentlemen. <laughs> anyway, uh, Ben, have you got anything they have else? little sweat you... wicking devices under the tits, don't they? Yeah, woven, <laughs> woven fabric <laughs> by Vietnamese uh, sweatshop children. Um, ben. Russ, I've, I just triggered a 15-minute conversation about cocaine hippos. I think I've done enough. <laughs> Phil? No, nothing that won't wait. Okay. Uh, make sure you all go check out the uh, the Manscaped website for personal grooming needs. Um, I've seen some of the people that listen to this pod and they could definitely do with buying one. 100%. Hairy fuckers, all of you. Have you seen their ball sacks as well? <laughs> well, it's just an assumption based on okay. the amount of hair that's on display on the the head, the shoulders and above. What you're doing is you're on, on the lower you're, neck. You're extrapolating yeah. hair that you can see and making an assumption based on. Yeah, like like with you, Russ, you've got nothing on top of your head, but your face is really hairy. So clearly, there is a mound of just ginger pubic hair waiting to be drawn. <laughs> You think you think Russ is like a Christmas tree in in hair dimensions? It just gets thicker and longer the further down it goes. I mean, yeah. Phil, I it's like shearing a red de- a red Devon. You've got, no, you've got no room to come at me when it comes to body hair, as you are one of, or you know, previous to this last week or so, one of the hairiest individuals I have ever met in my life. Um, Thanks. I've got to say, as a, as, a, as a triumvirate, you three are all very hairy. I can't grow a neck beard; just can't do it. But I have an exceptionally thick thatch. Took <laughs> 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 a significant amount of work, and I've got to say, Manscaped made it easy. Made it easy. Glided through it like it's, it wasn't there. Hot knife stu- through butter. Historically, it's been grooming's a bit like uh, smashing your way through the Amazon rainforest with a blunt machete, but with <laughs> manscaped, <laughs> it's like swiping the Amazon down ready to plant fair, a field of soil. Exactly. And in, in in previous incarnations, you use your missus leg razor, don't you? Because they're never going to yeah. know. You're not going to mess up your own one. And it no, cuts and it stings. And I, you use end up dog, I use the dog clippers to start with. <laughs> And now he's no, and now he's got no need because he's got a beautiful lawnmower. Yep. From Manscaped.com. And if and you want one, it's difficult to get in the little bit between your thighs, but it's not just just stick one leg up on the bath. And, and you know what? In- you know what I really like about it, and this is genuine. I like the little torch. Yes. That gets that that enables you. So it, it's got a little torch on it, 
So when you're shaving, you can see exactly where you're shaving in the mirror I, or down below or whatever. I'll, I'll that is a um, great feature. The thing that's revolutionised it for me is the ball deodorant afterwards. The, supple. They're supple okay. now. I did like it's, the nose trimmer that Pat McAfee gets on his on his adverts. To be because, fair, he's probably selling more than we're going. Yeah, he is. Yeah, but yeah. But if you man, want one, man of my age. If you but if you want one and you want to help Ben reach his goal of a manscaped nose hair trimmer, <laughs> go onto the website and I know Matt will do this for you because he loves you. But oh, go onto yeah, the website Matt. at manscaped.com and use the code MALLOVER20 because that will get you 20% off uh, Manscaped products at manscaped.com. So, yeah, enjoy it. And we know you need them. Every single one of you. Yeah. Rugby Saracens, I've met him. Hairy dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not, as, not as hairy as the rugby bath man, if I remember rightly. Um, but, yeah, there you go. And that doesn't exist anymore, really. Did you know about that? The, the yeah, sad, sad times. United geezers, they gave up. That's unfortunate. Richard, because rugby's uh, been invaded by twats. Yeah. <laughs> not, at, at all levels. Yeah. Um, and on that note, let's let's go, shall we? We'll we'll come back next week. Um, the likelihood is we probably won't talk a lot about European rugby. Um, so we might find some other stuff to talk about. Probably pubes. Pubes. <laughs> <laughs> what what we won't talk about for an hour is manscaping. How about that? Well, surely we will talk about it for a bit. Yeah, we absolutely for a bit. Yeah, yeah. but just not. For Aren't we contractually obliged? Contractually no. obliged. What we, <laughs> what we will do is we will do some sort of little question and answer. But what what I want, and if you're still listening at this point, congratulations. What I want to do next week, commiserations, really. Well, yeah. What I want to do next week, and it's just popped in, is literally an ask us anything. So if you're listening and you want to know our thoughts yes. on any other subject, anything, literally anything, right? And use the hashtag #AskMO anything, and then we can find them. Over Maybe the we should have gone with that that's, at the start of the podcast. That's, that's ask Mo anything. Ask Mo anything. That's not Mo Moin Ali or, or Mo Salah Farah. or Mo Salah or Mo Farah. Um, or Mo, Mo Johnson or, 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 or Mo, Mo Bamba for the Mo Mo Mo, 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 Mo Lum. <laughs> <laughs> You win. Mo, Mo. <laughs> Who uh, who's, on, who's a guest on next week's podcast? <laughs> Can we please tweet Mo Molum to get her on? Isn't she dead? Yes. Sure she is. I think she's dead. Let's have a look. I'm be- I bet there's an app Mo Molum. Oh. No, um, she she died. Yeah, it's not 16 her. Sixteen years ago. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Um, so yeah, ask Mo anything. Uh, and we will do our very best to answer it next week. So we'll do a non-rugby-based podcast and it will literally be as random as you can think of. It will be as random as cocaine hippos, um, provided you guys ask some questions. And we we resolve to answer every question that gets asked. Whoa, 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 whoa. That oh, we whoa, can whoa. within the top scale. I'm well, not. I'm not doing like a five-hour podcast. No, 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 no. But well, we, we we're getting we close to it today. We can answer any question that you like, um, but it might just be quick. 
So we'll, we'll answer any questions. Hashtag ask MO anything, and we'll do that next week. Okay. And if we don't, and if we don't get any questions, it will be your fault, and we will literally just talk about anything. And well, no, if we don't get any questions, not only will it be their fault, but we'll have to talk about European rugby. Yeah, true. Nobody wants us to do that. Yeah, that's that's a fact. I mean, people don't want to talk about normal rugby, but we still do. Occasionally. All right, I think we're done. Yeah, <laughs> we are done. <laughs> now we're just talking. We're just talking words. Um, <laughs> See you next week. Uh, Go well. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.